0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 108 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor Apple. With me, as always, is Collins Mullen. Hey, Collins. What's up, Chris? With us as well are your teammates from your semifinals finish yeah. at uh,
1: <laughs> SCG
0: great. Richmond, Jeremy Bertarioni. Hey, Bertagioni.
1: everybody, it's me, Jeremy. I'm back on the podcast. It's been seven episodes, so. I had to top eight another open to get back on here. <laughs> and Lee McLeod. What? Hey, hey Lee everyone. <laughs> Lee McLeod. Lee Chris has
0: known me for I just over a it. decade. Yeah. yeah, I just can never <laughs> pronounce your name. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Lee McLeod here. Yeah. Lee McLeod. Two episodes ago, I was here. <laughs> but I'm back. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, to you
1: guys. Yeah. That was a good run. It was. It was great. I was very happy with it. Super big congratulations to Lee. It's his first open top eight. And it's not even like two months or whatever until he put that thing on Twitter that was just like, all right, I'm going to start trying now. So you guys better (laughs) watch Watch out." out. Yeah.
2: That was just two opens ago. I've only played in two opens since
0: then. That's, yeah, that's a good rate. Keep it up. And one was a team open with me that we scrubbed out of and then a team open? No, I don't think so. I think it was with Collins.
2: So oh the, no, that's right. Yeah. That's
0: right. Jeremy Yeah, I, I fucked Jeremy up on that one. <laughs> in the last team open,
1: you you guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. We 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 did great. Yeah. No I I had
0: a lot of fun. Listen, I don't I don't actually feel like I'm actually dragging people down, but I do feel like something is happening in these team events where I just really need to not team with my friends because it's not it's not it's not working. <laughs> I just need to play individual opens only. Which is tough, because I don't think I've played any this season, so... It sounds like you need to get to more. Sad (laughs) face. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, we should probably mostly talk about this past Open that you guys crushed. Yes. Before we get too into it, I suppose we should thank our patrons. Um, So, new (laughs) patrons this month. We've got Timothy L., Brad T., and Ross J. Um, We've also got Rox Faithmender, who... I'm sorry, I don't actually know your real name, but I'm sorry I kept missing you for the patron shout-out. So, thank you, thank you to everybody who has joined up on the Patreon and come hung out in the Discord. If you would like to, head over to patreon.com slash Grindcast and we will hook you up. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, SCG Richmond, yes. we'll yeah, a blast. Yeah, it was great. The three of us teamed together. I was on Legacy, Lou was on Modern, Jeremy was on Standard. And I'm sure we'll spend time talking about each of those individually. Yeah. I played Red Black Reanimator broken. In, uh, in Legacy. It was. It was broken. <laughs> we we talked a lot about Legacy last episode on the podcast. I did a lot of legacy prep for this event. You um, did? It felt like every time I came downstairs, it was either you in your seat or you in your seat and John Rossum coming downstairs and going, every time I come downstairs, Collins is in his seat playing Legacy. Great. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Played a lot of Legacy. Played a lot of different decks. The three most, uh, uh, the three decks I prepared the most with were Alluren, Depths, and Reanimator. Ended up deciding to play Reanimator because it just kind of felt the most broken Uh, London Mulligan pushed it over the top and not really a lot of people prepared for it in terms of graveyard hate there was, I was kind of only worried about Leyline of the Void uh, everything else is pretty easy to fight through, you know, surgical extraction, you can just bossies mm-hmm. so. yeah, I played against Leyline once at the tournament and my sideboard <laughs> tech came in perfectly <laughs> against that uh, with the four uh, Rotting regisors that I played um, I had a feeling I kind of was on that. yeah, no, it felt good. That's the role yeah. of that card. The sideboard juke routing register is the <laughs> perfect spot for that card. Yeah. Lee, you were on a pretty fancy fancy deck for this yeah, one. I, I found a weird one on the internet. <laughs> charge counter,
2: Tron deck mm-hmm. where you're just and I kept everyone's like, how does this deck work? I just don't understand it. But I kept telling people it's very simple. It's just a deck that plays in
0: the staring bridge. Chalice the void. <laughs> oh. and Karn the Great Creator. That's, yep. that's it. That's all it is. It seems fine. I really liked your tweet about it, which was when you played against uh, Annalise and Lexi and Becky, and Becky leaned over to tell Lexi, like, Lee's on some weird artifact deck that I don't understand. <laughs> Lexi said, thank you, I know who I'm playing against. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a
1: great yeah. moment. <laughs> no, the brand is strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Lee's mockable brand is strong. But what I will say is that he showed up ready to beat Hogak and he beat up on Hogak all weekend, which was True. a huge percentage of your opponents. And I think something you absolutely have to be doing in Modern right now is just yeah. I beating think I played against Hogak. Against Hogak's
2: seven times six times maybe
3: mm-hmm. yeah
2: somewhere around there i lost to it twice and beat it every other time which is pretty good for a deck that has like 60 <clears> percent <throat> against its bad matchups so yeah and like all this whole hogex whole, whole sideboard is a million nature's claim variants
1: so <laughs> right <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i uh i think it was a good meta call for sure i think that all of our decks were pretty good meta calls for the weekend uh we had jeremy on red which was a little bit of a last minute change.
1: So let's talk about my testing because the entirety of the week before this tournament I was working with Xan to configure Bant and we were worried about the Vampires matchup so we moved away from Risen Reefs and we kind of developed this really good Devout Decree like sideboard like that sort of we started adding more and more of those we focus tested against the Vampires matchup and we were convinced that our Bant deck was like beating everything in standard at like a pretty high rate but with like you know you would lose every once in a while because your deck had a lot of mana and that's just true And so the Thursday night before the tournament, I'm like gearing up. I finally got Zach Allen okayed me to borrow all the bank cards I needed. So we were golden. And Collins texts me from downstairs as he's playing Legacy (laughs) at 8 p.m. or whatever on Thursday. Me having gone into work at 6 in the morning that morning, I'm just, I'm about to pass out. He texts me, he's like, I think Mono Red is secret broken for this tournament. And I think about all the matchups. What are the best decks in standard? I think about scapeshift seems like I should have a good matchup against scapeship. I think about vampires, and I'm like, oh, wow. I really want to be playing shock against vampires. I know you're a big shock guy, and I I just like had the same moment that you always have where I'm just like, oh, yeah, shock right now? Please, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please, four shocks right now. I also thought about, like, if they're not playing vampires, they're not killing my creatures. It's like, no decks in standard are really doing that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, oh, the steamkin's going to live. So... Every oh. time I walked over and saw you
0: with a Steamkin in play, I would stand there for like two minutes and the Steamkin would make nine mana over yep. the course of the next couple of turns. Yeah. Nobody
1: ever killed it. I had an above average like difficulty level on my mono red because like when you're playing mono red a lot of time it's like you know play creatures attack and then finish up with your burn spells. But all of my turn threes and fours were like, okay, so then I'll have three mana, but I want to cast four mana's worth of stuff. So is there some way that I'm not seeing where I can like sequence and so I get a one drop in before my two drop Mm -hmm. to try to like do the steamkin wizardry? And that never happens if he lives, so I was just like, come on, I am always have to figure all this out. It's like the hardest thing to do. You're like, this is the third counter, make the mana, this adds a counter, I'm actually taking a risk here because I don't hit a one. Okay, so I can only do the pyromancer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was always something like that. I was just like, oh my god, this is like way harder than it should be for red, right? Right, maybe because
0: maybe. usually they just cast down it or whatever and you move <laughs> on with your life. You right. You don't have to worry about
1: it. Yeah. yeah, you just keep playing creatures and then finish it out with burn spells. Or play an experimental frenzy and then you literally don't have to think very much. <laughs>
2: runaway steamkin experimental frenzy is." very
0: busted continues a year later to be completely busted and nobody was respecting it somehow red like fell out of the format a little bit probably you know due to whatever the meta shifts were beforehand yeah but you know people forgot about it and everybody over prepared for vampires scapeshift all this other stuff
1: yeah the premier aggro deck was just no longer red so i mean red is standard is like modern in some way so red think of it as like dredge right where like Red is like clearly an overpowered deck. The issue is, if everybody's gaining a bunch of life and having their Tristani's main deck or whatever, like Kane Reinhardt did, you're going to lose a lot of matches to people just being so tuned towards you. Just like if, if like the graveyard hate is so real, you can't really play Dredge. Mono kind of in that same spot in Standard right now, and you just nailed it on, like I think Red's Secret Broken. I thought about all the matchups, I was like, Nobody's ready at all for me. Like their sideboard cards are like two mana, exile a permanent, which is like obviously if you're red, you're you're just great, fine, you're just so dead. Yeah.
0: Exile a uh you're talking about devout decree. hmm Exile specifically a creature or planeswalker. Yeah. And that doesn't hit frenzy. Does no. Yeah. So it's... that's really important. <laughs> of course. Celestial <laughs> yeah, so purge would be a lot
1: better. Absolutely than that card. Yeah, yeah. And like the Scapeshift decks don't usually have a clean answer to Blood Sun. Right. Becky was playing the Dryad that naturalizes when it enters or gains four life. Mm-hmm. And that was like the best card against me. And she was like, no other scapeship person is playing it. I was like, I know, but Becky always tries to have it out for me. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 Becky has it out for Blood Moon effects. Yeah. So that's always yeah. on our radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's good. Um, so yeah, it was just, I think all of our decks slotted right into the metagame. I, I kind of agree with everyone's analysis on Lee's deck. That it was just like, and in Snaring Bridge, they can never beat it. Any one game, one.
2: Yeah, the, the the best part, uh, when my deck is that when the Hogak, I think I played against Drake Sasser, who had just like the nut draw against me. He yeah. Put yeah, two Enjolises yeah, graveyard on turn one. His turn two was bringing them back and casting a Hogak and attacking me. Uh, and on turn two, I untap with my Tron land and my Expedition map because I was on the draw.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I played a land which was the second Tron Peach, which was kind of cool. <laughs> but I couldn't crack my map because I was dead. Of course. <laughs> so I played a zero drop of Mox Opal and a Staring Bridge and couldn't attack me anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got him. <laughs> one, one nut draw deserves another. Yeah. yeah. That that game was particularly funny because he he milled over a caustic caterpillar. He did. That game, and I was like, this is game one. He's got a caustic caterpillar in his deck. <laughs> and I think I, I looked over it, and I was like, what is that? And, and Drake was like, oh, this is an, an anti-Lee card. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It <laughs> didn't work. Yeah. It doesn't come out of the graveyard once yep. it's in there, so yep. not, a lot, not a lot you can do with that. Yeah. Jeremy, do you have a keeper mull for us today?
1: So we do keeper mulligans on this podcast, and I had one that was just like really i it really tore me up so this was in the tournament i'm playing against vampires it's post board and the hand is two mountains a gitu lava runner i gotta make sure i get this right one lightning strike and three runaway steamkins that's the seven Mm -hmm. in a vacuum of a great hand because, you
0: know, you've got Steamkins and they can go off and it'll be great. Like sure. One of your Steamkins will live. Yeah. But Probably. the problem is <laughs> everybody's playing for Legion's Ends.
1: So this is an exercise in, like, being scared. You know what I mean? <laughs> because as soon as I saw that hand, I went, no, I'm not going to get Legion's Ended out of this game. I'm throwing this away. I think that that's incorrect, which is why I ended up, should I say the answer? Yeah, this is why Go I ended hard. up, I ended up keeping this hand, but my teammates had to sort of coax me into it out of this, like, fear, because I know that my opponent has a legion's end, they board up to, like, three or four, most of the time four, mm-hmm. and they're just, like, happy as a clam, they're gonna legion's in my steamkin, because it's just the right thing to do anyway, and then all of a sudden, like, wablamo, well, they three for one me on turn two, and my hand is, Gishu lava runner, lightning strike,
0: nothing hope you're having
1: fun you know <laughs> what i mean like, like you can't even frenzy out from that situation like most of the time because you'd have to go land land frenzy right, you're three and cards it, away from frenzy. and if right. there's if they have the soren sauce you're just dead mm-hmm. so it's it's just a huge consideration i'm like even now like i still just want to ship it
0: yeah sometimes in team events you need permission from your teammates to keep keep those sketchers <laughs> you're like can i because i could get really punished but well, I want but I, to. But I mean, like, fundamentally, like, this is the concept of you look at your hand and you see how this hand loses the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But does that necessarily mean, just because you picture it and because it will feel very bad if that is what happens, that doesn't necessarily mean mulligan this. right? Like, yeah, I can see how I lose with this hand. And if I lose that way, I'm going to lose by a lot, probably. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm losing by a lot is the same as losing by a little like losing because you mulligan to six and then that hand wasn't like great and maybe you mulligan again or maybe you stumble on your six like you're still losing the game then it's and you know you could also just get blown up by the lesions and with a six or a five or something so right um being like scared just because you can visualize how bad it's gonna be if something happens is not not the not how I would want to be motivated into a decision, but it's really hard to separate yourself from that. Like, oh, man, I just got three for one on turn two. On when turn I played two, two, yeah. two spells. The opposite end, too, is
2: you have a hand with three steamkins. If your opponent doesn't have legions in, those steamkins are gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just going to kind of, you know, steamroll over the vampire's opposition. Right.
1: You can cast, like, it feels like infinite spells because everyone <laughs> is going to get the other one to make three, man. I just, I just yeah. that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, the, the floor on this hand is low, the ceiling is
0: high, but I guess once you get to that middle, like, the average of the two is like, yeah, this is a keepable hand. It's got lands, it's got spells, it's got a plan. That plan can be disrupted, but...
1: And, the, you know, if that does happen, you're still busting in with the lava runner, you have a, a lightning strike... All the removal spells are really good against vampires, because they're kind of also playing to... They hope their like, Knight of the Ebon Legion doesn't die, so it can, like, go crazy or whatever... And their Odonto Vanguard's are presumably out of the deck because they're so unplayable against Fanatical Firebrand. It's really funny. <laughs> like if they, For those of you that have never been on this end at home, they attack with the Odonto Vanguard. You block with Fanatical Firebrand. They have, to, they, they have a choice at this point. They can either, and this is the wrong thing to do, pay for life to try to win in combat, at which point you can sacrifice your Fanatical Firebrand to target it. Or they have that choice again. So it's like, do you want to take eight here right now on this attack? More likely, you just traded your one drop for their two drop, which sounds like it's not that big a deal. But when it's a Dante of Vanguard, you're just like, yeah, get out of here. I just crushed you. It's also pretty bad against Goblin Jane Whirler. Yeah, it's just very bad against
0: Goblin Jane Whirler. Oh yeah, a Vanguard's
1: just... really bad against us. So yeah. so like the Vanguard's matchup is so this was like really good. I ended up winning that game because I drew Land Land Frenzy and just I made up for the three for one. The 3 for one did happen, but I made up for it. But Experimental frenzies. Do you
2: remember if you were on the draw that game or the play? I'm pretty sure I was on the play. Okay. I, I couldn't remember. Yeah. I didn't
0: know if you'd known if your opponent had kept or not.
1: My opponent had kept.
0: That My opponent kept all three sevens. But when you were making your mulligan decision, did you know if they were keeping or if they were mulliganing? Yeah, they snap kept.
2: Before you <laughs> Before <offend> you thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> that happens sometimes. It does, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: actually, it happens a lot more in team tournaments, I, I think. Because uh-huh. you sort of lose track of what's going well, on. Well, you show bit. your your teammate a hand,
1: they're like, Yeah, absolutely. And then you know. Yeah. So yeah, for standard, you know, we can wrap up mine really fast. I played Mount of Red, it was so good in the metagame. My deck was the commentators described it as nothing fancy. My deck was clean, is how I like to describe it. <laughs> there you go. The sideboard was four blood sun. Yeah, that's fancy. Four lava coils. Three Dire Fleet Daredevils, one Chandra Fire Artisan, and then three more of another card, Tybalt. Three yeah. Tibbals. There you go. So it's four, four, three, three, one. Yeah. My my main deck had a one of and a three of right in Wizards Lightning and the Chandra Fire Artisan, and its board plans were almost always you're taking out either the Chain Whirlers and the Wizards Lightnings or the Chain Whirlers or the Wizard Lightnings and the Vishno Pyromancer to bring in like up to that like number. Yeah. So it was just like easy to board. A good, clean, just a good, clean, like, mono-red deck. You're just trying to play most efficient cards. Right. The most efficient cards and Experimental Frenzy is, like, the game plan and Steamkins. So there's just not really much to talk about. It was, like, 20 mountains, 40 spells, the same mono-red deck that I've been playing since I started playing Magic. (laughs) I really have just been playing that deck forever. So there's just, like, moments where, you know, I played against Rossum, went in for top 8, and he plays a the the hydra that fights right so it's voracious hydra and it's on seven and he can fight my chain whirler and i know that i can't win or he can make it a 14 15 and i know that i can't lose because my next turn is like just like flunge play a frenzy he can't afford to attack or i'll just flunge again because obviously i'm at 20 and then i just like burn him out or whatever so he looks at me and he's like there's no way you can beat a 14 15 right and I look at him, and I kind of have him, I'm kind of in his head a little bit about, like, he's going to do the opposite of whatever I say. So I say, you should make a 7-7 and fight my Chain Whirler. And he goes, yeah, okay. And he makes it a fourteen-fifteen, and I'm like, yes, I've got this. Because ever since I started playing Magic, my opponent has had either Jace the Mind Sculptor or Batter Sculptor, some huge thing that Mono Red could never beat, and it's my job to, like, go, you know, burn my Goblin Guide on the attack when it, like, gets blocked by the Batter Skull or whatever, so that I win. You know what I mean? So it's like... I've just been doing that forever. I can mono-red somebody, and so I didn't I didn't actually prepare as much as I'd love to for this tournament because it was kind of just that night of testing. It was a clean mono-red deck. The mono-red players know what's up. Don't at me. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, you definitely said to me over the course of the tournament several times, you're like, yeah, this deck feels really good for this weekend. Because mm-hmm. every time we played against Vampires, mopped them
1: up. Yeah. It was great. Scape Shift was like... If I drew my cyber cards, I definitely did really well, which is why I went up to four blood suns. Yeah. Because so it's like, it's just, it just shuts them off. Their answer to blood sun was to, to fairy, bounce it, and scapeshift right then. That's pretty easy to go around. Otherwise, they were trying to deputy of detention it, which is just like, I get to cantrip again. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was wrong. I saw that happen yeah. multiple times. Where <laughs> your opponent would deputy your, their, your blood suns and you would just lightning bolt <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cycle, draw some more cards cycle yeah. your lightning strike <laughs> <laughs> it's like right. casting gem it's like cycling gem pump incinerator oh like, yeah it's no, been a it's, long time since we got into that it's but. nice
1: it's rare yeah. that I get to go one in a red kill your guy draw a card like i never gonna do that you know, yeah so. also shut off here your your lands again yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you're, you're
0: probably your toughest matchup was the band deck um, for my perspective. I don't know if that's how you felt about it.
1: So, the Bant deck is one... It's a mid-range deck in standard, so it can kind of beat whatever it wants. The version that myself and Zan had was really good against vampires, mm-hmm. but not very good against Mono Red. Okay. So I actually had a win. I beat Rossum, and he was on Bant, because he was playing Zan's sort of Bant version. Okay. Then you have the other side of that coin was, like, Kane. Kane was, I guess, a little worried about it, because he had two Trastani's main... And he had um Tulsimir in the sideboard, which is like two, three, threes, I gain three life is like the hope, or I could just lightning strike it and he gets so blown out, but whatever, it's not a big deal. So so the bent deck could be configured to beat Mono Red quite easily. And, and most decks can, right? And that's kinda of what I talked about with like a it's a deck that can get it's like a predator deck where like if nobody's watching it's really good. Yeah. So yeah, bent was tough. Control is really not tough. It's really not configured to beat me right now. That was kind of one of the things that tipped
0: me off that red might be broken for this weekend. Is that traditionally Esper was like the deck that checked mono red. Because yes. everybody's Esper deck back at that time period was uh, super teched out to be red. Right. You ended of... up with like 12 life gain cards out the yeah. sideboard. Right. And, and they all drew a card, discarded a card, or yeah, killed a creature. Yeah. They just all did extra things in addition to the life yeah. gain. and it was a nightmare, yeah. and you could just never beat that matchup. But right now, everybody's Esper decks, if they were playing Esper, which wasn't really that good of a choice for this weekend anyways, no. all of those like life gain cards got cut for cards that had to be good against Scape Shift and Vampires and stuff. So, you know, you saw a lot of Deputies uh, and, you know, stuff like that, and those cards just aren't going to cut it against
1: Red. So you know we don't have to talk too much more about standard. Pretty much, wrapped it up. I played the predator deck. It was mono red. I always enjoy a good clean mono red list. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot to learn, and once you have learned, it's kind of in your back pocket for as long as you play Magic. So I kind of got to ride the bicycle this weekend. You never forget how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> you never forget how to brown everybody in a room with mono red. <laughs> it's just it's, and it's you know it's just a clean list. The sideboarding was easy. So I'm going to leave it up to what format are we doing next? So we will talk a little bit more about
0: Standard after we've talked about the tournament because there's a new deck on the block that did not impact this past weekend at all, but True. we should mention at yes. least a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. But why don't we move on to Modern and we can talk a little Ooh. bit about what was going on with this Charge Tron deck and... Whether anybody should ever play this deck again <laughs> in the future, uh,
2: the answer to whether you should play this deck is no. Okay, <laughs> uh, this deck I played specifically because it was good against Hogak and Urza and uh, Monored, like <laughs> the Lava Spike decks. Yeah, because uh, you get Chalice, Karn, and
0: Stairing Bridge, and those are like all the cards you need to beat those three matchups.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and so and Eldrazi Tron. A similar deck, but cannot really run Ensnaring Bridge right. in the numbers that you want it to run Ensnaring Bridge. Yeah,
2: I compare this deck a lot to Eldrazi Tron because it's a Chalice Karn deck. Mm-hmm. And that's really the most of the games Eldrazi Tron wins. It's when they hit Chalice is good or when Karn is good. Yeah, uh, Their creature plan is just never really that impressive unless they turbo out like a bunch of smashers and their opponents kind of dirtling around or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... When I would, or they thought not Seer, have, have some like good disruption early. You know, they have like Nut Draws, or Eldrazi Temple, or Chalice or Karn is good.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So with this deck, we took out all the Eldrazi, because the Eldrazi aren't as good as Ensnaring Bridges. Bridges, and Ensnaring Bridge wins an incredible amount of matchups just by itself. Yeah, especially game ones yeah.
0: against things like Hogak.
2: Yeah, Hogak is pretty ill-equipped to... Most decks were very ill-equipped to beat it. I played against a uh, Caustic Caterpillar in uh, Drake's deck and uh, an Assassin's Trophy and Nicklitch's in mm-hmm. the main deck. Those are the only main deck hate cards I saw to Hogak uh, the entire weekend, which is very minimal for mm-hmm. you know a card that kills them by itself pretty much. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we took out all the Eldrazi, and then I saw this list from it was the MCQ in Seattle, I believe. Uh, It was David Inglis, I believe his name was, Tangrams. Mm -hmm.
3: Uh,
2: He just replaced all those cards with the the Dice Factory cards, the Core Tappers, the Everflowing Chalices, the Astral Cornucopia, that that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. and for Mystic Forge. The idea being that you're not drawing Eldrazi, you're just making mana, putting Insnaring Richard Chalice into play, and drawing your deck with Mystic Forge to get to a
0: relevant card. Because you only have three good cards in the deck. So you want to make your deck as small as you can so you can get to the good cards? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, essentially. And Moxopal gives you that extra
2: mm-hmm. oomph where you can go chalice, turn one chalice on one very frequently. Or not very frequently, but You've got way more than you can with Eldrazi Tron, which is never. never. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the uh, the Surge node or Core Tapper element lets you manipulate your chalices very easily. Mm-hmm. Which is key because Eldrazi Tron can put a chalice on one on turn one. Like if you're on the play your opponent plays a fetch land, your turn two is usually Chalice on one, hope it's good. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just isn't. Uh, And the Core Tapper Surge Node aspects let you crank it up to a number where it actually does something, which is really an aspect that Eldrazi Tron doesn't have, uh, which is nice. And Core Tapper Surge Node also lets you interact with your opponent's versions of these cards as well. So their Chalices or their Aether Vials. vials. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they go to activate an Aether Vial, you can put counters on it in response and they have to in a creature with that number mm-hmm. and if you crank an aether roll up to four or five nothing's really ever coming into play that's that's yeah. just yeah. modern decks just really aren't configured to tick vials up to four and five and just we're not start slamming we're creatures.
0: not viling in restoration angels anymore too often yeah no <laughs> and, e- and even if you are the bridge part of that just yeah. yeah it doesn't matter cool but going forward not just not a deck that you would Choose to play in the future. No, I highly suspect
2: Hogak will be banned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and And this this deck
0: counts on Hogak being in the format. Right,
2: you you need your Ensnaring Ridge, your Chalice, or something to be, like, incredible. Mm -hmm. And this deck just really folds to anything that it isn't really particularly good against. Like, I played against Blue-White Control and Michael Coyle, the Susuris, the Mm -hmm. prison deck guy. I played against both of them in this tournament and just lost comically easily <laughs> because they didn't care about any of my cards except <laughs> right. for
0: Karn and right. the prison deck and that was it yeah um yeah I mean that makes a lot of sense I have to believe that after Hogak is banned we're gonna see an uptick in more reactive decks you know blue eye control gets kind of bodied by Hogak regardless of how you build it it seems like yeah uh so people will be able to play that a little more and even just like you know thoughts these decks and stuff are gonna tick up um Although, I guess some of those kind of die to Chalice, but in general, that seems. Chalice is one of those like...
2: cards in modern where
0: you don't have Ancient Tomb or
2: whatever. You have to really keep an eye on to see mm-hmm. what decks people are playing if it's good. And since it's so hard to play a turn one Chalice in modern, there have to be a lot of decks that are weak to it. And Burn and Mono Red Bros being mm-hmm. really good leading up to this weekend uh, made me really want to play gotcha. a deck that could play Chalice on one.
0: Yeah. But if the metagame shifts even like a little bit, it can be just disastrous for yeah, that strategy. You'll just start
2: having to keep hands with Chalice because your Chalice deck, and, you'll, and it won't be good. and Your ha- opening hand won't really do anything. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. When they play an either vial, and then you're looking at a Chalice in your hand.
2: Yeah, or they play, you know, just a
0: raging ravine. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, not a deck for the future, but a pretty thoughtful choice for this weekend that i mean obviously it worked out just fine
1: yeah I, I was pretty happy with it for the most part cool someone in twitch chat actually brings up a really good point that once they're like everyone's graveyard or everyone's cyborg is just spoken for with Leyland of the voids once that kind of gets a little bit broken up and you can play like artifact hate spells again and mm-hmm. might also get a little like the shatterstorms might come back leave.
2: yeah it's just that not, does not want to play <laughs> i did beat shenanigans <laughs> In no the, way! Uh, yeah, in the tournament, y'all were busy with your own matches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, it was it was the well, the one time I played against a mono red prowess. Uh, he had he braided my chalice and then shen- had a shenanigans in his yard, but he couldn't afford to use it because I had deprived him so much of resources already. The dredging shenanigans every turn just wouldn't win in the game.
0: I would eventually draw a card. Nice. Yeah, I've been overall not very impressed with shenanigans as an artifact hate card. Just like there never is quite a right moment where it's like, this is the card that's going to be really good against this artifact deck. It's just like, sorcery speed, and a little expensive, and you drawing it every turn means you're not doing your thing. And like, every time I've thought about including it in a sideboard, I've just on with something else but chris you can entomb for it that's <laughs> that's a little different i would run one shenanigans in an entombed deck if i wanted that sort of effect i think the main yeah. rule for
2: shenanigans for me yeah you know, having played a lot of artifact decks is shenanigans is only really good if you can throw it in the graveyard for some minimal cost mm-hmm. yeah because you don't really ever want to draw that card yeah <laughs> for
1: sure i liked right. a lot of my hogak sideboard when i, I played only you one. throw it in the graveyard for i only, free. Play, I only yeah. played i only played one iq and I definitely played against an Bridge guy where I was just like, well, I have a bunch of creatures on board already. Mm-hmm. They came out of my graveyard, and that's just shenanigans in my graveyard. So just like, Dredge, hit your bridge, and they were like, I'll jar it. Dredge, hit your bridge, and they were like, you got it. Dredge, hit your other bridge. Like, okay, you win. You know, like, <laughs> it took three turns and it sucked, but I don't think I can't think of another card that I could have milled over and accomplished that. Right. So, right. You know, Absolutely. like, like yeah, I'm
0: and like guy. Dredge. I'm sure that there will be times in the future where it's right to be in have sh- a shenanigans in your dredge sideboard because then you always have access to one. So there's certainly times, but just like as a
1: card in a deck. How sure. f- how funny is this team dynamic where Collins and I are playing linear hyper fast decks and Lee is of course playing like an artifact prison deck? So very many of our matches are like I won and Collins is like I won and we're like come on Lee we gotta go and he's like no they were go- I was doing it and we're, and we're like pick your cards up buddy we're like scooping up we're like we're no no get out let's get out of here like you know like always is like can I can I finish he's locked out and it's like no just just funny that one deck doesn't win and that you win so fast. So like if everyone does the right thing, he's in game one and we're way Like if well, everything goes good according the, to plan. The sideboard games are much
0: harder. So, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It
2: was man. The first match we played, round one, day one. Uh, I had finally started to win my game on turn three. <laughs> turn three of game three. I play a Mystic Forge. Play like six cards from the top. <laughs> exile the top card, look at my next card, try you're to decide what I was going to put it on. Yeah. And they're like, okay, Glee, let's go. And I'm like, no, I'm not done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not like this. Yeah, Just, you know, because the post-board games are very different, because, you know, the Hogak decks now are up to just infinite uh, Force of Vigors post-board and stuff, how do those play out when you're an Ensnaring Bridge deck? What's the what's the sort of plan there to keep that a positive matchup? So I had a really,
2: uh, a sideboard plan I really liked, which was... So this deck just almost never sideboards. Like, I only really sideboarded in four cards, like, pretty much every match. It's a colorless Karn deck, right. so... You, most of your deck is just cards you never want to sideboard in. Mm-hmm. But uh, Welding Jar is really, really good against Force of Vigor. Uh, mostly because you only have really one artifact that they care about. You keep the other one in your hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they have to use the Force of Vigor to, you know, push through. Uh, and you can regenerate it. Mm-hmm. Because they can't target the same thing twice with force of vigor. Right. Uh, and then that piece doesn't play, and they have to do another answer. Answer it again, and then you can play the one from your hand or find another piece or whatever. Uh, so having welding jar and skype was really good. Mm-hmm. I actually was uh, advised by Zach Allen if I was going to play Urza this weekend, which I didn't end up doing because I couldn't get it to beat all the things I wanted to. Uh, to not play Leyline of the Void of my sideboard and just play Welding Jar instead, mm-hmm. because In Bridge was so good in that matchup, and Leyline was. They're all prepared for it. If you play Leyline, sometimes it's just bad. Right, because then they get to Force of Vigor, your bridge, and your Leyline at the same time. Or Leyline and a card you want to keep in play, Mm -hmm. like Dr. Foundry. And that's devastating sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So a Welding Jar being just really good against Force of Vigor is... Kind of what keeps
1: that a parody. Gotcha. That makes sense. Lee, do you want to talk about Force of vigor some more? Because is there a sideboard card that you ever have known your opponents have had more than Force <laughs> yeah. of vigor? It,
2: it is great when you go like, okay, turn one, play three artifacts, go. And then they think on their end step with zero permanence. <laughs> and and like, they're like, hmm. <laughs> what should I
1: do? <laughs> consult's teammate. Yeah. And so Lee and I actually had a system, right? Because like th- this happened more than one time in the tournament, I remember, is that I would look over and be like, uh-oh, somebody's got a Force of Vigor. And Lee would be like, ha yeah, I know. And the opponent would be like, yeah, you got me. And just, like, put a Force of Vigor on the table, exile something, be like, I'm just trying to pick my targets. <laughs> and be choosing between, like, just like, the most pointless artifacts. And Lee's sitting there with, like, an ensnaring bridge in his hand. And I guess the opponent just felt, like, called out, like, we fished it out, so oh, now I gotta cast it, because he knows about it. <laughs> the, yeah,
2: the people, the core tepper thing's, throw people off like crazy yeah. it's they just like don't understand why these cards exist in the deck they exist so, to get out of your hand so that you can play your in snaring bridge exactly <laughs> yeah. but you play like a chalice on two or three and they're like oh that's a lot of mana this is probably worth force of vigoring <laughs> 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 better get that one out of here it, it happened twice i think maybe more uh, it yeah. was just kind of crazy where well,
1: were yeah we we did that play where we like convinced the opponent that we know about the force of vigor so you know the cat's out of the bag. He might as well just cast it. And Lee's just sitting there with a the bridge in his hand. And he's just like, you got two of my artifacts. And you can throw like a Mox Opal and, an Ever- and a, like a Chalice of the Void that's like medium. And yeah. I'm just like, like okay.
2: oh, you got that one out of there. All right. And Staring Bridge. <laughs> yeah. Powerful. The, the reactions playing this deck were priceless.
0: It was my favorite part of the weekend yeah, was it, all of the conversations our opponents had about <laughs> What Lee was
2: playing. I would sit down and go uh, shuffle up. And I'd go, all right, or this power plant map? And they'd be like, you're playing
0: Tron? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But then the same turn, you'd go, like, all right, and also I'll play a bobble and a mox opal. hold <laughs> like, hey, on. on. Tap the mox opal. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And he's like, surge
1: node. <laughs> oh, the counters thing? So like Ben Nikolic? When it <laughs> oh, ain't... yeah.
2: Did you tell that one, though? So Ugh. in the win and end for top eight, I believe. Right? No. No, no. Is this the art chord file?
0: Yeah, it was our win. It was our winning. It was our win. Yeah, it was our win and yeah,
2: I play a surge note on turn one, uh, and Nick's just like, "What does that do?" So I give it to him to read. He reads it. It's like, "Oh, okay." He puts it down. Then I grab a, a one of those big coverage dice. Yeah, throw it on six on this artifact. He's like, "Whoa, wait, <laughs> what does that do?" Then reads it a six second counters? time. Yeah. Six <laughs> counters. I-
0: it is so intimidating. Like, that card is hilarious to me because it, it costs one, it comes in, and then you're just like, six. <laughs> <laughs> it's so many counters. And so your opponent's like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, what did I miss? Better force to vigor it. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. why does that nice. card have counters? Why doesn't it just put charge counters on other artifacts? Like, you never run out. Because that would be too good. Nobody's ever used up all the counters on a Surge node in the history of Magic. Match-
2: <laughs> my deck played four Blast ones, which was also really good. Mm. Uh, and continuously throughout the weekend my opponents and my teammates oh, yeah. would keep telling me <laughs> oh, that hey, i should on. put charge counters on my blast zone with my artifacts <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which yeah. can't happen it has to be yeah. an
0: artifact but yeah. are they are charge counters on blast zone yeah. blast zone uses charge counters but it's a land it's a land not yeah. an artifact yeah. i definitely suggested a line to Lee that involved putting a charge counter on his what? blast zone <laughs> i think that's forgivable no what really what, what's really not great is playing around your opponent putting extra counters on the blast which oh. which happened multiple times even better yeah
1: Yeah. that's great
2: and uh, I think I played Evan in the Swiss and he just decided he just couldn't play around it at all <laughs> which was
1: great because I couldn't do it at all <laughs> <laughs> Evan was a good conversation because somebody leaned in at him and was like he's playing core tapper and then Evan was like I still have no idea what that means. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have no idea what that means <laughs> yeah. thank you yeah Congratulations
0: to Evan too. Yeah, so he yeah. he made the finals of this tournament. Yep, um, very happy to see that. This this top eight as a whole. Oh yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Day two. Uh, two, North Carolina represented. Yeah, it was great. I think we had Raleigh represented nine people yeah. from the Raleigh area in this yeah. top eight. Yeah, in the top eight. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, it was so great. That was very cool. Um, and yeah, in day two, I think like my team, I teamed with my younger cousin and one of his friends who were just sort of having fun and, and trying to. My my cousin's friend is newer at Magic, so we were trying to help him learn like, how to play in a competitive environment, that sort of thing. So we did not make Day 2, but I feel like literally everybody else from this area made Day yeah. 2. And did well. And did well, well Like yeah. Becky yeah. came up to me one
2: round, and she said, all right, we were at the top table, table 6 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, to my side is Kenny and to the other side is Will. And it's just like FM. It's everyone who I see at FM. Yeah. Is there? A, <laughs> yeah. Like ta-
0: at the first table. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've played against all of these people at East Coast or Atomic Empire like many times. Many times, yeah. So Our that,
1: IQs are pretty tough. Yeah they are, <laughs> yeah
0: they are strong IQs. That is for sure. So that was really cool. Just the whole tournament, like watching a lot of people that I like do quite well all weekend long was very neat. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. But we haven't talked about the other linear deck on your team. The busted deck. Yeah. (laughs) So So. Reanimator was great. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last episode. Towards the end, we were like thinking, is this, is Reanimator just going to be busted this weekend? Are we in that spot? Like when the London Mulligan became a thing on Magic Online, and everybody was playing yeah, Reanimator. Right. I told that story before, and I th- I just think it's so accurate. Where like people learned super super quickly that Reanimator was broken mm-hmm. in that small time frame, but everybody forgot. And I don't I don't know I don't know what happened. Is that nobody like revisited it or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess until this weekend. Yeah. Because I wasn't the only Blackwood Reanimator in the top eight of this tournament. Right. Um, so you know it was clearly doing well. I wish there were more like fun stories I could tell or whatever, but I don't know. I just like turned one a lot of people. I've, got a, I've got a fun story. Okay, great. Our winning in is
2: on camera. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I was gonna tell this story. And I was like, after Lee, I got one, yeah, and it's yeah. this story. And for those of you who've never been on a camera match and coverage, they hold the mat when it gets like close. People are in game three. Oh, right. They start yeah. holding the matches so oh, that okay. they can get them all on camera. Right. And so Jeremy's done with his match. He won, mm. and I'm in game three of my match, and I am losing slowly. And Collins is over here. They've already resolved Mulligans because yeah. they stop you after you've finished Mulliganing. Right. And Collins knows he just has the nut. <laughs> he cannot lose. and He's sitting here just watching me lose very slowly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. knowing on the play he just can't lose. We're definitely gonna go to top eight. Yeah. He's just over here with his stone cold face. Doesn't show me his hand. Doesn't show me anything. Like, none, of <laughs> yeah. none of us know this. None of us know he's about to yeah. win. <laughs> we're about to go to the top eight. Wait on turn zero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he my watches my yeah. game for like
0: ten minutes. <laughs> it was so long. Okay. it was so long that I just like forgot about it a little bit because so when Jeremy <laughs> <laughs> when oh Jeremy, wait this was this was the hand. Uh, yeah Jeremy won right so at that point and then I, I did my mulligans and I my hand was I was on the play against steps and mm-hmm. I had a chancellor so can't get surgical and mm-hmm. a turn one kill so and it was a seven so it was just you know done it's over
1: let's talk about this um, turn one kill like you didn't have a turn one kill you had reveal chancellor Okay. we, we unmasked ourselves Yep, target me. Target you. Discard the Uh-huh. Dark Ritual. Yeah, oh yeah. Bring the Gristlebrand out with an Exumer and animate. that I forget right. which one. Draw enough. So we have one Black Mana left over. <laughs> so we find two more Dark Rituals. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have five. So we. We like. I think we. Didn't we thought season? We thought season. Yep. We make sure that. And we get his like mocks. So he definitely can't pa- power through this Chancellor. Right. And, and we. We entomb, and you're looking through your deck, and you're like, and we're like, okay, and you you can't ashen rider. He doesn't have any permanents. And you're like, you're like, that's fine. I'm just gonna get Magus of the Moon. Against <laughs> Against Dark Depths. Dave sure. Long, the famous Dark Depths player. Wow, all that skill. Look what it did for him. So you're just like, I'm just gonna get Magus of the Moon. I flash back to when you're testing, and Noah Walker is like ragging on you. He's like, Magus of the Moon. When do you bring that in? When are you ever gonna? And, and then Colin's like, you can reanimate it. And Noah's like, I guess. I was like, but okay, so we already have Gristlebrand in play. We have the Chancellor trigger that we've never been casting. And you're just like, I'm just getting Magic to the Moon. You put in a Blood Moon in play on turn one in addition to your Gristlebrand, and you're just like, go. And they don't like dress cards. Like, oh, this is dumb. You know, like, what do I do now? Yeah. You didn't just have the kill, you had the kill with Blood Moon backup. Yeah, it was great. Um, right, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I was watching Lee's match, and I just kind of knew I had it covered. And then, I remember Rossum, Rossum was like, did Collins keep seven when we were, like, about to go into our match? And I just, like, flashed him a little heart sign. Because, <laughs> <didn't> <laughs> like, you know, I might as well just tell him. When Randomator keeps seven yeah. on the play, oh, yeah. you're in trouble. It's, uh, it's a good time.
1: It's more everything than I thought was possible in a game of Magic the Gathering. Yeah. It's not that you had it all. You had it all with the four spike backup that you showed him. <laughs> and you had it all include Gristlebrand, Magus of the Moon, yeah. go. Right. And your opponent's like trying to make a 22 in Merit Lage, which doesn't happen. It's not going to happen for a minute. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, well,
0: you know, you explained it very well. But that is like a lot of what this deck does, is that you just, you know... You put a grizzle Brand into play, and you just start doing a bunch of stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the stuff doesn't—it doesn't win you the game per se, but it prevents your opponent from being yeah. able to come close to winning. Usually, you, you just strip their hand completely. Yeah, you can unmask them a couple times, taking any of the relevant cards. If they have any relevant permanents in play, you Ashen Rider them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's—you know—once you resolve a grizzle Brand and it's in the battlefield, right. it's, it's legacy. You're not gonna lose. So. Mm-hmm
2: one of the hardest parts of cons playing his deck was remembering animate dead
0: was an aura. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> animate dead went straight to the graveyard many times and both of my teammates were always like, "Collins, no. <laughs> that's that's a play." One of the worst templated cards in legacy certainly. Well, you yeah. can't read it. Oh, too it's some brick it. text. <laughs> But even the
1: oracle text is like horrendously <laughs> templated. The oracle. Yeah. the oracle text is is worse. Yeah. The old version at least is like enchant dead creature if this enchantment leaves play bury it. And you're like, I guess I, I guess I understand. That's pretty dumb, pretty but good. I get it. You know what I mean? Minus one, minus
0: oh. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Deal. Yeah. And then, but the new one's like, when animate dead enters the battlefield, and you're like loses, oh, okay. Enchant yeah. card in a green <laughs> <go>. <laughs> And gains oh, no. enchant creature. Right, you're yeah. just like, <laughs> like, why? I prefer when I was, some like, enchanting dead, buried creature, whatever it says, like something dumb. Yeah.
0: Prefer. Yeah. So, that's not great. I did watch, I watched our friend, Josh Alexander, who lent me the entire Aluren deck I played this weekend. So that was. Oh, I yeah. Was, I'm really grateful for Shout that. Shout out to Will Kane for lending me Reanimator. Always appreciate it. It's very difficult to play Legacy without these kinds of help. So, yes, absolutely. really appreciate that. So, Josh, who lent me that Aluren deck and is a good friend of mine, I walked over to watch one of his matches, and he's playing lands, and he's playing against Death and Taxes. And. Game one, it looked like he completely had it, but then his opponent resolved Sanctum Prelate, and immediately Josh had no way of winning the game, because <laughs> there was, like, his blast zone was in his graveyard, and he could never life from the and that was very sad. Game two, though, I watched as he casts a drop of honey. Nice. And then his opponent says, oh, can I read that? And Josh is like, oh yeah, sure, sure. He gives him the card, his opponent reads drop of honey. <laughs> Arabian Nights drop of honey. He goes, okay. And then just hands it back to him. No judge call, no oracle text. Just reads the Arabian Nights card that he doesn't know what it does with 18 <laughs> lines of text. It's like, yeah, that's fine. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'll yeah. never know. If your mother of runes works against it or not, you'll never know like what hap I guess you might figure out what happens if two creatures are tied for the same power, but like you don't really know if it's destroy <laughs> or sacrifice or some of what- these aren't explained at all, and some of them are explained in depth. Yeah. Like if the creatures are tied, then one and it's just like, okay, great. And like, all
2: enchantments right. enchanting it are also
0: destroyed. Right. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Okay, all right, cool. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Boggle's not great against Drop of Honey. Nope. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, read your opponent's cards if they were printed in the past couple of years, but... Didn't we have a weird thing with the Sylvan Library? Actually? Oh, well, yeah, don't yeah, read your opponent's <laughs> Sylvan Library. <Get laughs> well, there. right. My opponent had Sylvan Library and uh, Life from the in the Graveyard, mm-hmm. and that's just always a bunch of shenanigans. Yes. But my opponent was... Casey Lancaster, right? who I knew knew how it worked, mm-hmm. but I felt obligated to get a judge to make sure that that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of had like an extensive judge call where I was like, judge, he wants to do this. Is that allowed? And, you know, I just <laughs> I just <laughs> needed a source other than me to be able to to like say that, yes, this is OK. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sylvan Library and uh, and and dredging is always something that's going to be crazy. So, we got to work on Legacy some more going forward. I mean, with, you know, the next open is Dallas, and that is modern. But then after that, we do have a full on Legacy open in Syracuse. And then we've got a Legacy GP in Atlanta that we're going to be going to. And since I'm skipping Dallas, I'm just going to be playing Legacy for the next month or so. Yeah. Are you going to Syracuse? I think I'm going to go to Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm very excited for Syracuse. Legacy is great. I expect people to begin preparing for Reanimator. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it will continue to be busted. Going back to the same analogy of that small time frame where we were London mulliganing before it was actually out, Reanimator got hit it out very quickly. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it went from just literally everybody's playing Reanimator and you're playing a bunch of mirrors to nobody can play Reanimator because everybody has ley lines, mm-hmm. and ley line is a beating to beat because you kind of have a couple of options. You can either choose to play these like off color enchantment removal cards there's Mm -hmm. uh reverent silence i think it's called yeah which which is nice because it's free and it destroys all enchantments so they can't Um, even double up on ley lines yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they can't double up on it and you can do it and combo Mm -hmm. without a mana investment which is great the problem is though that you are already very aggressively mulliganing towards your combo you're playing this combo deck where a lot of your hands are just nonsense and you have to throw them back. Mm-hmm. So when you get down to, like, five cards or less, and you're looking for a hand that can both combo and beat a ley line, it becomes... Now all of a sudden you're a four-card combo. Yeah. And that's just... It's, it's just too hard to beat ley lines if your opponent's prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once more people are preparing with ley lines, like, and all the most recent, like, Depths is now running for ley lines in the sideboard... Once everybody starts doing that, I just don't think that Reanimator will be a good choice anymore. So, yeah. back. even So Back to the drawing board. Even with the Rotting Registrar tech. You just rotting Registrar is great, but there are some decks where it is just not going to be a good enough plan. Mm-hmm. Like, that card is not going to be Depths. Sure. You know? Yeah. Because uh, it kills them on turn six. I mean, even, if if I guess you can Ritual it out. Yeah. But, you know. So that's turn they four. Can, that's right. that's turn four. Yeah. That's a turn four kill. And, and, and they're going to kill you by then. Right. So and all they need is a chump blocker to buy an extra turn to, to get right. that twenty twenty if yeah. they didn't have it somehow. So. Especially if people are playing hogak decks. Yeah, so you'll, then, you'll just never your kill seven, them. Six is yeah. Never gonna connect. Block with stitches supplier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this didn't work out at all. <laughs> yeah. or just have a hogak. It's bigger. <laughs> it's bigger <laughs> right. than a seven <laughs> six. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So so reanimator was phenomenal for this weekend, but I recommend that people start preparing for it. You need ley lines. You just need more stuff that can interact with it. Yep. Um, and once that becomes the case, I think that it'll be time to move on. But that's great news. I love testing legacies. Yeah. So <laughs> well, <laughs> well figure something else out. I think that both reanimator is gonna see an uptick in play, and then ley lines are also gonna see an uptick in play. Mm-hmm. So these like lands decks that snuck into the top eight of this this tournament, I think it may not yeah. be time to play lands for a little bit in the future, at least. Yeah. Um lands is definitely i think was already a little skeptical in this format Mm -hmm. and moving forward there are just going to be a lot of grizzle brands around so i think uh you know lands might not be a good choice but i think that right now the best deck in the format could just be slow depths Mm -hmm. black green depths bob wong won the modern classic with it really solid list Uh, i think that he had four ley lines in his sideboard Mm -hmm. that seems like a really good starting point uh for moving forward in legacy i mean the the one thing about the depth decks in general is the gigantic preponderance of wastelands in the format right now. You, I mean sure. there was never a time where you didn't have to have a lot of pithing needles in your decks. but yeah. now even more so, like mm-hmm. you just have to be ready for the like onslaught of wastelands oh, for sure. to happen to you. Yeah. Well the main thing is that you need you actually just need abrupt K for Rin and Six. Mm-hmm. Because the deck is like pretty well suited to beat a wasteland. Just because wastelands have been an integral part of Legacy forever, sure. so you know the depths. The depths deck knows how to beat a wasteland pretty mm-hmm. well, but Renin Six, you know, when you're getting wasted every turn, that's a problem. Yeah. So you know, having an abrupt decay ready for that, or you know, some other. Renin's you can also them. needle Renin Six too. That's you yeah. Know. Needle's just like a <clears throat> very
1: relevant card a lot of the time. Yeah. No needles are great. Absolutely, you also need answers for Knight of the Reliquary. Slow DPS decks can't ever beat an active Knight of the Reliquary, no matter what. And Absolutely. I've had two people that are supposed to be Legacy black holes or whatever—people who just only win Legacy. Right, Casey Lancaster and Thomas Hep Negator were just like. Yep, you can never beat a Knight of the Reliquary. Did you know that? And they just told me that. I was, like, eating cereal, but when Casey told me, I was like, cool. You know? <laughs> yeah." <laughs> move
0: on with my life. Well, we're, yeah, we're I mean. will just tell you. That's been, a, that's been a fundamental truth of Legacy, is that if your opponent untaps with a Knight of the Reliquary, you lose. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't matter what you're Night playing. Knight of, Wall- <laughs> of the Reliquary is the jace of the green decks. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you untap with it, the game is the most over yes. that it could possibly be. It's crazy. I want to play Knight of the Reliquary. I've, Am I crazy? I No, I, I'm glad that you brought that up, because... Uh, one of the decks that I, it, you know, had my testing not ended with Blackheart Reanimator, I would have continued on into Night of the Reliquary decks. I think that those are really well positioned right now. Mm. Um, a lot of depths floating around, and you beat up on that really well. And you get <clears throat> baby Night of the Reliquary as well if you want to go really deep onto that functionality. Yeah, uh, and these, I, I think that these shells haven't really been fully formed yet. People figured out, okay, Elvis Reclaimer, it's just a good magic card. Reclaimer Judy Uh Reclaimer. Elvish Reclaimer is just great in depths. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people saw it in, figured it out very quickly that it just kinda of broke it, it made that very much tier one, maybe even mm-hmm. better. But I think that the other shells that are really gonna get a huge boon from that are these like Maverick E decks. And it's not clear if they want to be more like Chalice oriented, or you know, more like hate bear oriented, or whatever. Yeah, if you want to be a green, I mean, you probably want to be a green sun zenith deck there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's just um, a lot of exploration people have to do with those kind of decks. Yes, but yeah, I think that right now those decks are not figured out yet. And as soon as somebody does figure out a really good version of those decks, it'll probably start mopping up. Um, I do like that every single list that I see has uh, four green sun zenith and also a Gaddock teague sitting in there, which yeah. Obviously, if you're casting the Teague, it's because it shuts your opponent down a lot harder than it shuts you down, but, yeah. you know. Green Sun for Teague is, is an age-old staple <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Don't need this anymore. Too bad I'm shuffling it into my deck instead of putting yeah, well, it in my graveyard. I'll draw it again. It'll be fine. <laughs> really hope I don't draw this card. I'm shuffling it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, something... I don't know exactly what those decks will look like, but... I, I'm sure that that will be one of my starting points for testing for yep. Syracuse when I... When we get to that time, yeah, period. yeah. Now, I've been just generally really, really impressed with like Mox Diamond decks. Like just the card Mox Diamond is better than it's ever been, right? Mox now. Diamond and Renin Six. Yeah, match made in heaven. That's it's incredible, and it feels so daunting when it's the turn one and Six.
1: Get back my land, get my land. Like, uh, yep. <laughs> what what do I ever do here? Right? Is there a Renin Six Knight of the Reliquary deck? There is. I don't that one. Yeah. yeah. Um. Naya
0: lightsaber. <laughs> it, yeah i think i think that the <laughs> wild nacatl. go yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best versions of that deck that i've seen uh have just been strictly naya not messing around with anything else not really messing around with punishing fire that card's not really that great right now all of the creature decks kind of got hated out by
1: true name reanimator the, the inability to play a creature. plague engineer no. yeah. oh <laughs> yeah
0: Nobody's really playing elves right now just because, mm-hmm. you know, Plague Engineer and... It exists. Um, <laughs> exists, yeah. The yeah. only target for Punishing Fire is the card Delver of Secrets. Yeah, right. You know, and all the Delver decks right now are running Goifs. True Names and Tarmogoyf, so yep. you're, you know, you're not going to be able to punching Fire them out. Yeah. But yeah, you know, definitely a a lot of legacy left to be explored. Yeah. Very excited about that. One thing that I forgot to mention on our full-on legacy episode when we did it. Stifle and Nimble Mongoose are both completely unplayable magic cards that you should not have in your legacy (laughs) deck. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We can run way better cards now, and you just don't don't need this. Yeah, agreed. Stifle, uh, yeah. Stifle is closer than Nimble Mongoose, but it's still pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I've have se- seen several like Mimi screenshots of a Nimble Mongoose across from a three four Elvish Reclaimer. Yes, they're both one green, so it's just Nimble Mongoose has been a little outclassed. There's a there's a one mana three four now. So. Yeah, I mean the I think the telltale sign that Nimble Mongoose was just never going to be playable. People were celebrating when Deathrite Shaman got banned. Because now you can run Nimble Mongoose because it can attack it doesn't have a one-two anymore on turn one. And also you don't like maybe get one card exiled from your graveyard every turn or every other turn, so you can right. eventually hit seven cards. That doesn't make this card look good. No. Yeah. The, yeah, and then just like the, the sheer number of cards that brick it right now are hilarious. Yeah. There's you know, there's Elvis Reclaimer, Stitcher Supplier, you know, people are just running all sorts of stuff that are just gonna yeah all the other green decks just have goyfin true name nemesis so yeah. right. all the other delver decks so it just doesn't get to do anything play dread Darkness. that card's great yeah yeah these delver decks i'm like a little bit in shock at some of these like mana bases and stuff i played against kenta i resolved the carpet of flowers and went to my second main added two blue mana to my mana pool cast a couple of spells Passed the turn untapped during my first main i added two blue again and then he goes wait one blue. And I said, what? And then I looked over and he had a Badlands in play. <laughs> oh whoops. Which we had both missed for one turn cycle. So we had to like, you know, call a judge and get our warnings and stuff like that. But I just did not suspect <laughs> that this like Delver Days deck would also just have a Badlands in play as its second land. Yep. So yeah, these mana bases are totally wild. Yeah. And like, that's one of the reasons that I, I do really like... The, this idea of, like, hey, maybe we should try these, like, Knight of the Reliquary Ren and Six decks. is because, like, then you have good mana and you can punish these, like, absolutely insane, like, four Wasteland, nine Fetch, five Duel, <laughs> and mana <laughs> bases that people are running. Yeah. Fiery Islet. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lord. Yeah. You can't even fetch that one. Your fetches are dead now. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I'm into that. I had a I had a friend play the Open. They went really deep. They lost their winner into top eight, playing Ad nauseam tendrils. Yeah, uh, Darian. Yeah. He lost one match the entire weekend. Wow, <laughs> which is very impressive. Oh yeah, is that the good? Like I would not expect that.
0: I think it's fine. I I think it's so dependent on the pilot's capabilities with the deck that um, makes sense it's not really a deck that you can like metagame with because you can't just like kind of cold pick it up and metagame with it yeah i i could definitely see it having a lot of good matchups right now um it's pretty well suited against depths any non-blue deck it has a good time with yeah
2: i don't know like the the number of chalices are uh, very low because mm-hmm. of the renin six wasteland mm-hmm. nonsense yeah. Yeah. this is true
0: and yeah the number of Thalia effects is pretty low as well right now. Because nice. of the run in six, dealing yeah. one damage to <laughs> <the> creature <laughs> yeah. effect. Yeah, it checks out. But yeah, I, I could totally see that deck being relatively well suited,
1: for sure. I think I watched Darian play one match and it was from the opponent's side. And the opponent was holding on to a Force of Will and Darian was storming off. And his so opponent was like, sure, sure. I'm sure waiting for the Infernal Tutor that we all know comes. So the storm count was like six on just like just like doing stuff, cabal therapy Um And then, you know, finally, Darian only has one card in his hand. He's like, hey, empty the warrants. And so he just like loses. And I'm just like, yeah, you're wrecked, right, bro. Like, that, what a classic story. I know. It's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. like, you totally thought, right. didn't you? Yeah, you thought.
0: <laughs> Whoops. Yeah.
2: Wish this force of will was a plague engineer. Yeah, yeah
0: well, that's the thing about. <laughs> right.
1: The only spot where stifle is actually good. <laughs> Right, stifle get storm triggers. You can't miss those. <laughs> oh,
0: speaking of cabal therapy, Um yeah. So i I had at least one uh, reanimator opponent still on cabal therapy. Yeah. in the reanimator deck, and I know you have strong feelings about this now. So. Yeah. Um. Right. So the the. E.W. Landon was the other kind of like vocal uh, red-black reanimator player uh, who put a lot of work into the deck and had a really good uh, write-up, I think, on his Patreon about it. Mm-hmm. And so through that, w- w- the split that was popularized was two Cabal Therapy, two thought sees. Mm-hmm. And when I initially looked at that, I was like confused because you don't, you know, I mean, sure, you're reanimating things that can flashback Cabal Therapy, but... Boy, is that a big cost yeah i think the upside for cabal therapy is that some like in some niche scenarios you can flash it back with a action writer to get an extra action action writer trigger and in my testing when i was testing with two cabal therapies that did come up where i think I actually like entombed for a cabal therapy just so i could mm. you know but that was like a super like niche spot where i needed to like blow up a lot of different things in order to to win like semi late game yeah i don't think that having access to that is worth ever whiffing on a Cabal Therapy. You just need to be able to take the cards that are important out of your opponent's hand. And, you know, you might think to yourself, oh, well, you know, I'll just name Surgical or Force of Will, you know, depending on which one beats me here, uh, because those are the only cards, but that's just not really how the games play out. Mm -hmm. You know, the blue decks have storm and Spell Pierce. Right, right. What happens days? when they are on the play <laughs> right. and they pass the turn with a fetch land up? Right, yeah. There's just, you know, the number of times I thought seized my opponent's hand and took a card that I wasn't thinking about, but, you know, they even, like, had the card that I, like, was thinking I was going to take, like a Force of Will or whatever, but mm-hmm. then I ended up taking something else that was, like, more threatening. Like, mm-hmm. they had the Surgical, or, you know, whatever. Right. I can run a reanimation spell into this Force of Will, and then right. my Gristle Brand is still in my graveyard for the next reanimation. Absolutely. Oh. Right. So, yeah I. I can't imagine that cabal therapy is worth it. I ended up just running four Thoughtseize instead, mm-hmm. um, and I was very happy with that. Yep. I yep. also think it's a big deal that there's two force of wills in the format right now, and they have two different names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, true. It's got sure. to it feel like a huge beating. The first time
2: you cabal therapy, naming Force of Will, and your opponent shows you Force of Negation. negation. Yeah. No, are <laughs> like, yeah, oh, that's no.
0: Be. That happened to me this weekend, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I At least understand. you're playing a creature deck, though, right? Yeah. So I, so I, I, I therapy eventually on Force yeah. of Negation. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. For sure. I just don't understand an argument in favor of a thought so you can miss with. I'm just like, really, if every time I've heard that, I've been like, what, what are you guys talking about? Is it because Ashen Rider has a Dice trigger?
0: Yeah. It's, uh maybe like i don't know i um <laughs> what <laughs> it Your might be an a life writer. consideration uh i just personally i i just think the thought is the better choice i don't uh, even get city. it the other way to be yeah. honest i just don't even get it right yeah and that <laughs> when i i was like uh i was talking to will pulliam about it i asked dylan donagan about it i was like everybody's running two cabal theories i don't understand can you like think of any reason why you would want to do that and they all just kind of deadpan looked at me like Hello man. <laughs> and it can't it can't be a life consideration because um, you could just run Duress if you really needed sure. to. Right. Like you're taking yeah. containment priest one out of every hundred thought seizes or something. Sure. You well okay, so you don't get to feel smart when you hit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is a good. That is a totally yeah. legitimate reason. Because let me tell you, I played a lot of Alurin, and every once in a while, you get something good on a Cabal therapy, and you just feel on top of the world. Sometimes you get to Ugin the Spirit dragons. On oh yeah, cabal therapy. no, it's great. It's a good feeling. And I, you know, I I gave that up when I registered policies instead. But mm, you, you don't know. get to feel smart. No. You just get to, you just just get get to, to win game really well easily. Win turn one. <laughs> yeah
1: so that was a lot of legacy I want to talk about why we won the tournament oh okay I feel like in the room we didn't win the tournament I feel like why we did so well in the tournament (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I won now I feel like in the room out of everybody I think the three people that mulliganed the absolute most were myself Collins Mullen and Lee I think that we (laughs) have the best oh boy I think we have the best understanding of like the London mulligan I would look at a red like four like three lands four spells and just be like ha ha Easy shipment but Yeah, I just kept looking at them and I'm like, I have to mulligan every time. Yeah. I just think that almost not enough people are talking about it. They're just like, this just makes the linear decks better. But it just like changed all of magic, the gathering, yeah. to where, really like it really did. I mean it's yeah. so understated. Mm-hmm. I kept looking
2: throughout this whole tournament, as Jeremy's showing me his mulligans. I'm showing Collins and Jeremy my mulligans be like Wish I could keep this. Too bad I know I have to mulligan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a perfectly yeah. serviceable hand. No, you That I just know is like that we not mulliganed. nearly as good to win as a six second right. symbol.
0: We
1: mulligan more often than we kept by. A huge margin.
0: Not close. I spent more time at this tournament oh. mulliganing than I did playing Magic.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mulligan. That makes sense. Well, yeah. I
0: mean, you know, obviously playing Reanimator, but I mulliganed a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and, and that's just what you're signing up for with Reanimators that you need to not be afraid to go to four cards. Yes. If, if your hand does not come close to killing them on turn one, it's just not a keep. Yep. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I noticed playing Aloran, which, you know, I can't really recommend. It's a super fun deck. It's pretty powerful, and you can beat a lot of stuff with it. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, it just has too many two-mana spells for a legacy deck, right? Really, uh, yeah. At the end of the day. But that's one of the things I noticed with it is that because, like, yes, it's a combo deck, but it's a combo deck that is built kind of according to an older understanding of magic, which is that, like, you have to keep looser stuff because mulliganing is so bad that we're willing to, like, play a game up until we get to our combo. And so that means, like, I look at hands that are, like, fine for this, like, play a game until we get to our combo, but I have no, like specific set of cards that I'm aiming for. I'm not trying to draw the combo in my opening hand. I'm not even trying to draw combo pieces in my opening hand. You don't really want Aluren in your opening hand of of your Aluren deck. And I would I, say the most important thing that I'm looking for in a hand of Aluren is like three or more lands. Yeah. And so that that makes mulliganing pretty bad because you're this right. like critical mass of cards deck. You are, yeah. And so that's one of the things that like as the tournament went on and as I I played over the course of the weekend, I was like, yeah, I'm just not, you know, like I'm keeping these like three land four spell hands that are like fine but like i'm not mulliganing towards anything and the london mulligan rule lets you do that
1: yeah you're one of the best mulligan people in the room and you're playing Lure and you're
0: crazy yeah <laughs> i mean like you know if, if you're listening to this podcast you know you can mulligan a lot right now yeah. and you have to mulligan a lot yeah. So, I, I mean, I need to take that lesson into my deck choice territory. And... Mm-hmm. The way I've evaluated sevens has radically changed.
2: Because mm-hmm. a six and a seven are just the closest they've ever been. It's, it's kind of like a free mulligan. Yeah. Like, one time I played a side event of two headed giant and Battle Bond. Uh, and uh, that was like the first time I played two headed giant in years. Mm-hmm. And me and my teammate just didn't know you could have a free mulligan. So we just <laughs> kept like every hand. Yeah. And then our <laughs> opponents were doing the same. And then one time our opponent was mulligan and they said, and this is our free one. And we're like, what? You <laughs> no, no, no. can do that? <laughs> and from then on, we just mulligan constantly. Yeah, <laughs> right. Continually yeah. mulliganing.
1: Yeah. My advice for Standard right now is, like, get your deck that you think is good and you're going to play. Play, like, a bunch of games, and then by then you'll know what your good first, like, three turns look like. So, like, if you're playing Bent, then you definitely have an Elf, or two mana dorks, and like, in the crazy world, a turn three Nissa, but usually around like a turn four or turn three, big payoff, yeah? You need those things for a bent hand. And if your seven doesn't have it, ship it. So like, learn what your first three turns look like in like, your perfect world, like two or three different like, success states of your first three turns, and then smell into that. Yeah. If your, your vampire's matched. hand doesn't have a one drop, like, it's probably just a So many vampires enough. people were just like, Godless tap go, and they kept seven, and they eluded this the match, and I was like... I am way better at mulliganing than you. Are you crazy? <laughs> why would you ever keep that hand just, on a seven? Just go to six. Yeah, just go to six. Just, just, you when might... you
0: go one, two Soren, nobody can beat you. Right. The deck is unbeatable. Mulligan.
1: So allow yourself to do that. Yeah, yeah. and I actually had that talk with Abe this morning. I was like, why did some people think the Vampire's deck is bad? And it was like, they don't know to get the Sorin sauce. You yeah. get the one yeah. into the Sorin sauce. It doesn't, you can you, He was like, you can even miss two. You just gotta have a one drop and Soren on three. And you win. You <laughs> you win. <laughs> right. No, honestly, that. yeah.
0: I remember talking to Zach Keeney a lot about that. He was one of the first people who had success with the Vampires deck. And he was just like, yeah, I just mulligan to Sorin every game. Yep. And and that was easily good enough. Sorin <laughs> yeah. is like a 12
1: out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it's some of your crazy. cards are like, Subpar, right? right. You've yeah. yeah. some, some pretty medium stuff in there. Yeah, right.
0: Vicious Conquistador is only good because it lets you draw an extra card when you play Soren on turn three and <laughs> sometimes put Champion of Dust. Sometimes it's a lightning helix. Sometimes it's a lightning <laughs> helix. <laughs> yeah. yep. yep. If you have bad cards to sacrifice to Soren, then you don't have to sacrifice your good cards to Soren. Yes. So, right.
1: perfect. So, you know, I just think that the reason that we, I've been doing really well, and obviously uh, we did really well this tournament, is because we just like... I mean, Lee... It was like every hand in day two I showed you. and I was just like, I have to mulligan every game. I'm like frustrated by it, but obviously it clicks with you after the tournament. Like you know, I'm in the emo, I'm I'm in, in the moment. So it's like crap. I have to mulligan. I wanted a seven that I wanted to keep, but then looking back on, I was like, oh, the reason we did so well and I won so much is because I have that like self discipline. To not like try and get there on sevens anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, remember, I didn't. I didn't have to keep fanatical firebrand in a couple
0: of shocks. Yeah, I just never have to do that. Right. I, I
2: didn't do that. I actually remember one time in day two, you showed me another another hand with one land. You were mulliganing, and I and you said, ah, "I want to keep a seven. And I was like, "No, you just keep mulliganing.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just get a wanted, good one. I just want a seven, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. You should just mulligan. and You win more. The safest I felt."
0: at the tournament was when my opponent like tanked on a seven and decided to keep it Ooh. that that like kept on happening and every time they would just die immediately on turn one they just like didn't have anything they just like didn't have their force or whatever there because they you know they just like weren't going for it but the my opponents who like looked at their seven and just like shifted immediately i was like oh no this one's <laughs> this, this one's gonna be a little tougher. <laughs> real game right yeah because you know they're gonna find what they need and magic right now is about finding what you need Especially against a turn one deck like Rend. Yeah, it's, it's a little darker. extreme in my case, but yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, should we check out a Patreon question? What Great. It? I'm gonna talk about Keth's deck. Oh, oh, that's right. We do have to mention the newest standard deck on the block, which I think you're you're going to an IQ and Rona just so that you can play this deck. Yeah.
2: Yay. I decided that kind of today.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this deck looks so
2: strong and so good. Yeah. It's just. It's, okay, so for those of you that don't know, uh this is a uh, Kethys, I have no idea what the card name is called. Kethys, Hand of the King, hand of Secret Hand, or something like that? Ah, uh, yes, hand. Kethys. Kethys, Hidden Hand. Kethis the Hidden Hand. The Hidden Hand.
1: And we know what it does because we're pros, but for the rest of the people the first, Yeah, for the rest so of, when of the people. So I, when
0: I Google Kethys, the Hidden Hand, the first link that comes up is... EDHRec.com. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's an EDH card. So it's a. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, because I'm
2: doing this from memory and you have the computer. Yep. Uh, but it's white, green, black for mm-hmm. three, four, legendary advisor or something oh, like it that. It makes your legends cost one less. It makes your legendary spells cost one less, and you can exile two legendary cards in your graveyard. And every legendary card in your graveyard gains kind of a flashback. You can play it. You, that card gains the ability to play
0: itself from the graveyard. The, the cards have to be in your graveyard when you activate that ability yes. in order for you to be able to cast them. Yeah,
2: you can't activate
0: Kethis and then have two Moxoples
2: and just keep casting them forever, forever. Mm-hmm. They have to be in your graveyard and you can cast them once. Yeah.
1: So. Thanks for clearing that up. But now That's I'm, what re- I'm really bugs. scared about where this is going. You <laughs> so, mentioned- what's the combo? <laughs> so, you mentioned Mox Opal, so I'm well, scared. Mox, of Amber. It. mox Amber. Mox Amber. I might have said Mox
2: Opal out of habit, but I meant Mox Amber. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, a Mox. So, this is just. If y'all remember the Teshar diligent God, there's a lot of cards in this deck. No one's gonna know. <laughs> diligent excavator, kind of. If you remember Legend Teshar, <laughs> no, no Lee,
0: none of us remember Teshar. What does that do?
2: It doesn't matter. It's not in this deck. <laughs> okay,
1: it wasn't good enough. <laughs> oh no! I just got lightning heal. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
2: you play all these legends, fibble, fib, uh draws a card, diligent excavator. There's some Teferi, some Oath of Kaya. Like all all these random legendary cards. Great. And your your goal is to just kind of assemble a mass. And with a diligent excavator, which is a two mana one three. I don't remember what its creature, it's a human. Uh you
0: whenever, whenever you cast, you cast a historic, historic spell.
2: spell, target player mills two. So you target yourself. Your deck's all pretty much all legendary cards. I can't think of one that isn't. Okay. Uh, it's just diligent excavator is not legendary. I see. Uh so Mox amber, target yourself, mill yourself up. Stockpile your graveyard until you get a Kethys. You can get a Kethys out. This deck plays Tamiyo, so it's pretty easy to find a Kethys and rebuy it. Right. Once you have a stocked graveyard, you can really start going to the races. <clears throat> you can use your Kethys ability to start casting cards from your graveyard. Presumably you have a bunch of Mox Ambers mm-hmm. in your graveyard. Maybe just a couple. So you start casting Mox Ambers from your graveyard. Every time you cast a Mox Amber, you get to mill yourself for two. So, your whole deck goes in your graveyard pretty much. Nice. And once your whole deck's in your graveyard, you keep making this. You can keep using Kethys to give your Mox Amber's flashback again, because they keep going to the graveyard because they're legendary. And you kill your opponent by just milling them out with Diligent Excavator. Or, if they have Nexus of Fate, or if you feel like killing them another way, (laughs) you can kill them with Oath of Kaia instead, which is also a legendary spell that deals three
0: damage. This deck also has Ashiok in it, right? So Yes.
2: Some so. versions have Ashiok, so that's just a really good legendary bullet against Gabe Shift that's also a mill condition. Mm-hmm. You can mill yourself with it and
0: exile their graveyard.
2: Yeah. So you can fill your graveyard up that way. You can
0: also like cast a couple in a turn to like mill very quickly if you need to or whatever. Like, yeah, I have time's a consideration for yeah. some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the first I heard about this deck was uh, I think it was Andre Strosky was talking about it on Twitter with this might be like another Ivan Flock
1: brew. This or... was a this was a Sifka, a Sifka blur from What I, um, okay. I realized. okay Just anything oh, crazy
0: no. is gonna be yeah. Oh, yeah. Sifka's hand in it. Oh, you mean the guy who won a pro tour with eggs? <laughs> like, yes, that one. <laughs> that guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing something about this floating around on Twitter because uh, they had multiple people from their group qualify through the. Uh, arena mcq that happened this last last weekend right right
2: uh, i know andre qualified for sure mm-hmm. uh, i'm not sure about the other the Ivan flock or i think sifka, sifka also qualified okay i'm pretty sure
0: um with the same deck so
2: yeah but the deck is really really strong it's mm-hmm. so consistent because all your cards kind of are their own engine yeah uh like your cards get you to kathis kathis makes you this infinite combo and if your opponents try to disrupt you with like Unmoored Ego, which people already have on our sideboards for Escape Shed. Okay. You just have all these random creatures that you're just beating down with. Because huh. your opponent's focused on your combo element. Interesting. A deck that's really, really impressive right now.
0: Interesting. How is it against like Mono Red?
2: I I haven't played this many ga- that many games of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just came back from Richmond, yeah. <laughs> played a cube draft, <laughs> and went to, to work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so Evan today was playing a lot of this deck um, kind of behind me in our... In our testing room yeah he sounded uh, really impressed with it too yeah he did and he i asked him what his monored matchup was like and he was like i don't know probably bad but he told me that you know post board and even some game ones he was just able to recur over and over again urza's ruinous blast mm. and that being able to clean up frenzy as well as like everything else that they were doing uh not to mention the fact that the combo is like pretty quick uh are seemed... playing a lot of Kayo. Yeah, yeah, and you're and you're true. on four roof. That doesn't hurt. So he said that he was like pretty impressed with the matchup against that deck. Okay. Um, and if that's true, like, then I know? don't. Yeah, then I don't really know how to beat this deck without like. Right. He's yeah. He said that the decks that he was mainly losing to were like super heavily skewed mid range decks with main deck Unmortigo. Oh, jeez. So if people are starting to play main deck Unmortigo on Arena, I think that's typically a sign of a broken format. It's. Really good. I, I want to go to Rona.
2: Can I go to Rona Yes, absolutely, Lee. I would love that. Yeah.
0: Matter of fact, after this podcast, my plan is to go downstairs and And jam some hew up a league with this this deck. So, Lee, if you're sticking around, I would love to have you. Oh yeah, I'm going to be a part of that for sure. Excellent.
1: It has also just become my plan. (laughs) Great.
0: Yeah, excellent. Let's make it a party. Cool. Well, so hopefully somebody takes down the IQ with that thing. (laughs) Or at least enjoys playing it a lot. If we can assemble all these cards from the bulk bins. (laughs) Let's see what we've got in the way of questions
1: for you guys. I'll give my phone to Jeremy so he can look. I just want to talk about how I never talk about my record. (laughs) (laughs) I was just looking for a question that was like, how do you deal with knowing what your record is? I'd be like, aha, I have an answer. Well, Jeremy... (laughs) I felt pretty proud of myself at this tournament because when we were X and O, I f- successfully forgot what X was until somebody came up and blurted it out at us. <laughs> Which is, I guess, inevitable, but like really strange. Luckily, you could never ask me because I can never tell you what round it is. Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, we've been winning a lot. How are you guys doing in the tournament? I don't know. Like, probably pretty good. We'll see when they tell us to go home. Someone asked me what the record is. I'm like, it's. We've lost once. What round is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah we, we did a good job of uh, playing a bunch of round one of F&Ms this last weekend, yeah, which man. are really easy to win, in my experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, another, that's why well, I why Sometimes you that. play against the people at the top tables and see yeah, the f <laughs> Sometimes you go in
1: a car full of your friends and get beat up by your friends at F&M. <laughs> that's sure. True. That's why yeah. I chose first round of F&M for the round that I'm going to play for the rest of my Magic careers, because you usually win those.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it does feel pretty bad when you lose them. Yeah. I guess it doesn't matter because it's F so yeah. It's fine. Whatever. Well, you can't afford to lose it. That's the whole point. They can't lose <laughs> round one of F and M. I gotta bring my A game. First of all, they're easy. <laughs> Second of all, there's
1: poof, no way I'm gonna lose. That's the round I play every there's, time. There's like a lot of pride there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. F and M is where is where I
2: started.
0: I think we've if got you,
2: also if you lose round one of F you might get the buy, which is just like the
0: death nail for FM. Oh yeah. Why did you even like get up and go to the Game store,
1: that sounds Friday miserable. Friday m- night, what happened to you on Friday night? I was wrong of I got the buy and went home. <laughs> it was really bad. I didn't even deserve cookout after that, so... <laughs> right.
0: I feel like we've, like, backdoored ourselves into an answer. We're, like, playing Jeopardy now. Like, we've come
1: up with an answer and now we're looking <laughs> for a question. That's what I, I mean. Look at my life, dude. It's all about how you frame things.
0: Well, so for anybody who's listening, if you're at a tournament and you see Jeremy, you... Can go up to him and say things such as "I really love the MTG grindcast."
1: Yes, that's what happens a lot of the time in my tournaments. I got a I got two compliments on the MTG grindcast uh, on day day two of the event, and Collins got zero, and I was just so pleased with myself. I was so happy. I get more compliments on the grindcast than Chris and Collins. It was phenomenal.
0: So you can you can give him compliments on the MTG grindcast. You can tell him that you really have enjoyed his deck choices or that you really like seeing how much he's succeeded this season. What you can't do is you cannot
1: ask him what his record is. So people ask me about record a lot. They come to me and they're like, hey, what's your record? Which there's a ton of reasons why I hate that. But one of them is, is they're asking you, hey, do I have to care about you right now this tournament? Am I talking to you or is, are you somebody that I'm going to walk right past right now? And so I usually strike a fun little pose and I say, like, pretty loudly so that everyone around me also knows not to do this, hey, don't ask me about my record, and I'll just let out one of those. And, you know, usually the person's like, hey, man, I'm sorry, and I'm going to have to explain, like, no, 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 listen, this is just a fun psychology thing that I do. It has to do with an article, actually, that Will Jonathan wrote about magic psychology. I know I kind of hate him, but I liked this article a lot, where he told a story About Phil Mickelson, who was doing really well on a PGA Tour, and then he fell behind, and they asked him what happened, and he was like, oh, on one of my hits, I accidentally saw my score. I thought that I was a little bit behind, because I play every, like, hole. Like, I'm a little bit behind, but if I have a good hole, I can get back into it. He's like, that's how I played every hole. When I saw that I was ahead, I didn't want to think this, but I kind of thought, like, oh, I have some room to give, and then my just kind of fell apart. So... There's, like, a lot of sports psychology that's, like, focused on doing, not on winning. And magic is really takes up a lot of your brain. So I want to focus on, you know, is this a seven that I'm going to keep, right? We've already talked a lot about how that's, I think, right now the most important decision you're making outside of deck selection. You know, we want to focus on what is my opponent thinking about right now? So, you know, what happens when they say can you even beat this 14-15? And you totally can. What do you say? I'm so in that moment. And what none of that has anything to do with is what my record is in a tournament. You know what I mean? It's my least, I'm least interested in that out of almost anything. You know what I mean? Like, I actually know how many times you lose if you're dead in the tournament, you're going to drop the tournament. So what what are you asking? I'm still playing the tournament, so I'm still alive. I just don't understand why people would ask me that question. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, you know, those are some of the reasons that I don't like to talk about records. I just think that it's, distracting people and it's making a lot of people feel really bad how many people at this tournament in richmond were like i was doing really well in this tournament i was x and two but at the end of a few more rounds later i was x and six and i was crushed i can think of four that were really really upset that they got that they lost from the position they were in even though the position that they were in it's a very reasonable thing to do is then lose the next six rounds in a row or whatever and go home sad it just happens but people were excited about us when we were five oh. They came out and were like, wow, five oh and I like had to walk away. I was so tilted off because five <laughs> how many wins you need to top topate this thing? It's like twelve. Of <laughs> course yeah. we're not even close to me being happy with this tournament, right? This is it's not even close to worth thinking about. We can still not make day two. <laughs> I, I
2: actually had someone uh text me after our win in it and they hadn't been following they were at home, they hadn't been following coverage too closely. They were just like, Hey, how'd you how'd y'all end up? They heard the tournament was over. Yeah uh and i'm like I'll, I'll let you know when the tournament's done we're still playing <laughs> right <So> dom, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say we top eight or anything i'm just yeah. like we have more magic to play
1: and it's you know i'm not trying to make it a thing that catches on or whatever but dom likes it dom dom like comes up right now he's like yeah man how's round one effing him going you know like he he's like <laughs> him. He he thinks that it is also a big waste of people's mental energy and a big feel bad and also like a social status check for some of the like less savory interactions that you have at a tournament or whatever. And so he's off it as well. He's like, I try not to think about it either, which has you know, been doing really well for Dom. And and that, you know, and that fulfills our required Dom shout out for the episode.
0: So yeah, <laughs> can until check, it just stops when he opens. Can <laughs> check that box off. Nice. I think we probably have not gone a single episode in like the past 10 or something without mentioning He Probably got a little worried this time. I yeah, know. I know we really saved it for the end here. <laughs> cool well that was yeah that was great i think that definitely qualifies as our yeah i, I think that fulfilled the purpose of the yeah. the, the patreon question at the end of the episode so awesome uh thank you so much to everybody for listening and okay looks like rocks Faithmender just messaged me and he does go by rocks so oh, shout, shout out to rocks yeah <laughs> and all of our patrons really we really really appreciate the support yeah we have been doing pretty good there lately yeah. i i it feels good like we are really kind of building something here and i'm excited to get some of these uh things out to everybody if you would like to hang out in the discord get yourself some pins get some tokens head over to patreoncom mtggrindcast or MTGGrindcast.com. we have links to the patreon we have links to all of our old episode as well as links all of our old episodes as well as links to Collins's coaching services Um, You can find us on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. And the podcast is at MTG underscore grindcast. Uh,
1: Collins is also on Twitter at Colin Smullen. And where can we find you guys? So I'm on Twitter at Mox Jeremy. Mox, like M-O-X, like Mox Diamond. But instead of Diamond, it's Jeremy. And the best way to support me on social media right now is to support the other members of my house because I don't really have a lot going on, but I'm going too soon. And so just the bigger boost you can give them is the best thing that you can do. I'm at Liam McLeo on Twitter. Uh, which still, Chris, is not how you say my
2: name, but Twitter won't let me do Lee McLeod. Someone mm-hmm. took it and just doesn't use it. It's it's criminal. That's horrifying. I'm sorry. But um, I, I tweet out occasionally how I'm doing at tournaments or what I'm playing or screenshots from this sick Kethys deck I want to play.
1: <laughs> occasionally he tweets out, like, if a deck is complicated enough,
0: he'll tweet the Bible for it.
1: Oh, yeah. It has to be real complicated.
0: Once. Just, you've done it once. You might do it again someday.
1: Sure. Give Lee the follow, because he might drop the... Kethis Bible, or whatever the deck is, Bible. It's probably got to be at least a modern deck, right, though? Like, yeah,
0: yeah. You don't want to spend too much time on something that's not going to last. Lee, I need a Kethys Bible by this weekend. By
1: two. Uh, So that we can play it in the IQ. It's more like a brochure. <laughs> <laughs> a pamphlet. Yeah, a pam- have you heard the word of Kethis? Yeah. It's just this. Y'all don't
0: stand a chance. I have the Lee pamphlet for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks everybody so much for listening. Uh, on the like social media note, if you are not in a position where you can or even want to lend us support on Patreon, that's totally cool. We really appreciate just the listens. But also what's really, really cool as well is uh, liking and retweeting our tweets about the show. That is huge. It's a tremendous help. Uh, like every person that I see that does it, you know, I can't like message you my thanks for doing that, but it really like gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling inside when you do. Um, as well as, like, leaving reviews on iTunes or wherever. Um, that's, that's really helpful for just getting a little more attention to the podcast, which in this clout-grabbing era is, <laughs> is is what matters. <laughs> yeah, got to get that reach. One day we'll be able to say clout without giggling, but not today. <laughs> that, that day <laughs> is nope. not this cloud. <laughs> wow. uh, but, yeah, so thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. Peace.